So the key truth today that we'll be looking at is walking in the truth. And um, in your outlines, it's got that at the top, key truth. We must walk in the truth through loving each other because we are the children of God. So preparing for this, I did have a few thoughts about where, where this begins for us. And um, I think many times in history, and even today, we have we find that many people can unite against one cause. You, you can see that in protests, you can see that in um, unions gathering together, they, they usually tend to gravitate towards one thing and they live for that one thing. Some examples are, I think it was in 2020, we experienced some protests regarding Black Lives Matter. Um, and even right now in America, with the Roe v. Wade trial going on, um, overturn, not the trial itself, but um, there have been some protests regarding that as well. What about some of us who catch public transport? We've also found that sometimes there are tube strikes, there are bus strikes, and we can't get where we want to. So in all of these situations, we find that people are able to gather together around one common thing. And similar to all these events, we understood last week that we as Christians are united in the truth. Not last week, it was a few, few weeks ago. But uh, last time we co- covered first, second John. So with us, being, with us being joined and united in the truth, we're able to learn that as Christians, as believers, this truth is God. This truth is the gospel that knits us together. And being in unity with one another and being in unity with God it empowers us to stay away from the lives of Satan and empower each other to live the lives that God has told us to live. So today we'll be going over verses 4 to 6. And um, I'll just read, read 4 to 6 again so that we can focus in on that. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. So today I hope we can just discover more what walking in truth means. So this verse begins by John saying, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in truth. What is walking in truth and why should we rejoice in it? To put it simply, walking in truth is living in a manner pleasing to God. And John rejoiced to find that others were walking in the truth. This goes back to the point about Christian unity and what, why we unite in Christ. As we're united in Christ, we may see others who also walk in the truth, others who are also in Christ. And when we see these people, we should be glad to see that they're other members of God. We should be glad to see that we are able to, to experience this Christian life with somebody else. So as believers, and we have been adopted as sons and daughters of God to be a part of God's family. So we share this truth amongst one another that we have been saved by, by him. So when we, when we come across someone that also shares this truth, we should we should be glad, not scoffing at the other person because they may have a different doctrinal belief according to ourselves or maybe they go to a different church or 
Maybe we just don't see eye to eye or we don't do things together, but be glad that they're Christians, and which is what we spoke about last time. So one thing we have to remember is that in love, there's, there's many of us who get puffed up with knowledge. We may believe that we're walking in truth because we have all this understanding of scripture, but we have no love for one another. So in truth, that isn't walking in truth. But much like the angels in heaven who rejoice when a sinner repents and turns to God, and says here, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. These angels are glad that God has saved a sinner through his sovereign work, and we also must live this way. But I think we should ask ourselves this question. Do we actually live this way? Do we, do we celebrate when we come across other Christians? Do we celebrate when somebody joins the church? Or are there any times where we, we may not celebrate when we see someone who's a Christian? Maybe we disagreed with them. So maybe we should really question ourselves and try to figure out whether or not we are walking in truth. I don't know if many of us in this fellowship have joined a gym or a leisure center or any, any club at all. But I've always found when you join a new gym or a new organization, they tend to greet you with open arms. They tend to bring you in so that they're happy that you're sharing with them. And that's, that's, that's exactly what happened when I started my, my current job. Um, my managers and colleagues alike were glad to have me join their team. They welcomed me in. They asked me a lot of questions about myself were able to share in the fact that we all worked for Hitachi at the time. They were glad that I was a part of their company. So are we glad when people join us together? We looked forward to working together, and this is how it should be for us, brothers and sisters. We aren't members of the world. Rather, we are ambassadors of God's kingdom, and we, we are blessed to be a part of God's kingdom. So reflect on this, please, and... Ask yourself whether or not you, re- whether you react to seeing other Christians with joy or, or you don't. Rather, we, sh- we should think about whether we have, we, we have this great opportunity to be with other believers. It's, a, it's an amazing opportunity. And we should think about this across the invisible church, all our members of the body across the world, not just in here today, but across the world. We should be glad to see them. We should be glad to see baptisms. But exploring this further, John rejoiced that they were walking in truth, which is living in a manner pleasing to God. Walking, the word here is peripateo, given, given to us defines how we conduct our lives. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of behavior, not just getting from point A to point B, but it's, it's how we actually act and work um, through our lives. So if, 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 we, if we understand that the truth is the gospel of Jesus, and the truth is God himself. We must walk in Christ. We must walk in God. In the literal sense, to walk with God and abide in God is to obey his commandments, is to live our lives so that we can express how much we love him by obedience to him. So let's, let's take, take a look at that. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. 
So this command to walk is one that we've been given already by, by God, our Father in heaven. Keeping God's commandments is evidence of us abiding in the love of our Father and being his child. Which is a reminder that we walk in the truth because we are the children of God. And those who love him will do his will. Now the negative of this is that we also understand is that those who don't keep his commandments do not love God. In fact, those who choose to live their lives in disobedience do not know God. Now, brothers and sisters, this may challenge us all who call ourselves Christian in this room and say we love God. That we'll give our lives to him when instead we trust in ourselves. We live according to our own foolishness and we still lack understanding. We may be puffed up with a, a false assurance of some sort. We must, understand, we must ask ourselves, are we keeping God's commandments? Or are we just going with the flow and doing the works that we must to be a part of the church? Or are we actually living in what God has told us to? So surely there's some good news to this and I'll cover this in verses 5 and 6. So the reminder here is that the command, the, which, which verses 5 and 6 give us the reminder that the commandments we've been given is summarized in one commandment in which I'll come to. And um, if we look at this point of walking in truth, um, the truth, we, we walk in the truth because we are ambassadors of Christ. We should carry ourselves as ambassadors of Christ. If we were to live our lives um, today as Christians and walk out as if we weren't changed by the gospel, we'll be living a lie. We'll be living as if God had no effect on us. But the truth is, is that we are born again believers, if you are a Christian, and you can't deny the teachings of God. Now, all of us were given the Great Commission, which, which reads, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the, and of the Holy Spirit. A call to witness the truth of Jesus Christ and make disciples of all nations. So the first thing we must do isn't necessarily live our lives through ourselves and try to be a very good Christian in front of those non-believers, but rather we should live our lives. We should live our lives um, trusting God first. And by trusting in God, he will give us what we need to be able to witness to other people and make disciples. Now, this is the first thing, and we understand that God is the one that saved us, and we know that we are sinners. We know that we're sinners and that we should first understand that and know that God has saved us in our sin. So now, we can, now we're able to do the work that is necessary because God has changed us from within, and we're able to live our lives according to him. So I think it's very important that we walk in the truth and live in a manner pleasing to God because it is part of our witness to other, other people. It's part of our witness to our family and to our friends. And even as parents and people alike, we understand that people are always watching us, whether it's our, our children, whether it's, it's our friends, or whether it's people at work. People notice that, oh, this person said they're a Christian, but they don't act as if they're one. But we, we must understand that 
acting isn't part of this role. It's, it's actually God who works in us. It's not something that we do to make people say, oh yeah, I'm really impressed by so-and-so. It's, it's a case of ensuring that people know who God is through us living and breathing his word. So when we do witness, we must understand that we, we are no longer sinners in him because we are redeemed by him. Now, if I go on to my second point, which is we must love one another, is that reading from verses, reading from verses 5, it says, And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just if you've heard it from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. We walk in truth by keeping God's commandments. You may ask yourself through scripture, what are the commandments given to us by God? In Exodus, Moses was given the first ten, those ten laws. Um, and surely if we don't keep those, we'll be selling. Um, what about the other 613 laws? Are we, are we keeping those still today? Um, if, if I think about one of those, I, I believe in Leviticus, it talks about not eating uh, sea creatures that have no scales or fins. But many of us eat crab, many of us eat prawns. I don't know if all of us, but I don't like seafood particularly, but a lot of us do love eating uh, other sea creatures. So we'll be selling if we were to eat those today. So what are we to do to keep God's commandments? Well, we must first understand that these laws given, some of these laws were given to Israel to set them apart for God. Yet, some of these laws also reveal God's character. They reveal that his holy character and how he hates sin and how we must also be set apart for him. But lastly, they, also, they provide a path to be forgiven for sin. And in those times, they will take the lamb and they will be sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins. Now, we must look at ourselves as Christians today. What does the law mean for us? All of those laws, including the Ten Commandments, what are they? Can, can we keep the Ten Commandments through our own strength? Or do we need to trust in God to keep those Ten Commandments? And the truth is, we can't. We're sinners before God and need to put our faith before him and trust in him to keep all of his commandments. We can't, keep our, we can't keep those without looking to him first. And we understand that in Christ, everything was forgiven and he fulfilled the law. Galatians 2.16 reads, Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, so that we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith and not, work, not by the works of the law because the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So if, if we are just trying to keep these laws, these Ten Commandments, we won't be justified. But in Christ, we will be justified. So you may say, okay, we don't need to follow these laws anymore. But I believe that there is still a commandment given in verses 5 and 6. And 
That commandment is the reminder that we should love one another and we should love God. And this is found in Matthew verses 22, Matthew 22 verses 37 to 40. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. This commandment here to love God and love your neighbor summarizes all the commandments given to us in scripture. For in loving God, we will honor him. We won't take his name in vain. We won't worship other gods because we love him and we will do his commandments. In loving our neighbor, we will take care of our neighbor. We will love the brethren alike and we will live our lives to taking care of those around us. We shouldn't live our lives in a pharisaical way and look at our faith as a list of rules and regulations as they did in the, and as they did in the times of Jesus when he was replying this question. We can't then say, oh, keeping the Sabbath is the first law in my book. And then secondly, I can eat scales and fish. We shouldn't be living our lives as that. We should live our lives loving God first with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Now, if we do love God, we seek to live, we seek to live in a manner pleasing to him. And this is true also for the neighbor. We love our neighbor caring for those around us. Understanding the purpose of the law and why we're no longer under the law brings me to the focal point of why we must keep the commandments given to us in verses 5 and 6. Rather, this commandment given to us from Christ and is to the believer is to love one another. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as I are writing you a new commandment, but the one you have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. We continue from verse 4, which talks about walking in truth. And walking in truth, we walk in the truth through loving one another. This is not a new commandment for us. It's one that's been given to us earlier in John 13, 34 to 35, where Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you, love, if you have love for one another. Jesus has given us this commandment to love one another and it is this commandment that allows us to know that we are disciples of God and it is this commandment that allows others to know that we are disciples of God. So I believe that there's two reasons why I've been given this command um, in, in this context. The first being is that we, we love God. As we have understood earlier, following God's commandments is living in obedience to him. And is our expression of love to him. We do not do this because of our own will, but rather we do this because he first loved us and he has adopted us into his family as his children. I think it's very important that we think about this father-child dynamic, that God is our father and we are his children. That same way, in the same way um, we have parents on this world, we must think, ourselves, think of ourselves as the children of God. Now, if, if you're, you were all children at one point, and if you are a child, you do understand that you want to please your parents. You have that desire to please them, and you want to spend good moments with them. You don't want to upset them, but rather you want to show them 
love and be pleasing unto them. So in the same way you listen to your parents or you may obey them because you love them and honour and respect them. But if you have no love for your parents, you wouldn't obey them. You would disregard them entirely. And it is in this love that we're able to, to obey our parents. In a similar way, it's in this love that we're able to obey God. So we must understand that love is what leads to the obedience which is needed. We must love in order to, to abide in God, in order to follow his commandments. Now, we may be able to understand this better if we look at 1 John 5, 1 to 5. If you'd just like to turn to me to that. That's page 1023, where it reads, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever, whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that, ha- that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, everyone who believes the truth, that, that is the truth of Jesus Christ and that he is our saviour. That's, that's what that verse means there. Has been born of God. So that, that is the experience of that new birth, that regeneration, that coming to Christ. And continuing... Everyone who loves God the Father loves whoever's been born of him. So the believer loves Christians. In this, in this we, how would we know we, lo- we are the children of God or we love the children of God? We know this because first and foremost, we love God. This may be confusing to us. We know we love God because we love his children, but we also know we love his children because we love God. It's kind of a circular argument in a sense. So what is the love of God? It says, if you turn back to Second John, in verses 6. It says in verses 6, And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. And this is the commandment just as you have heard it from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Okay, so loving God is walking in his commandments. Then going back to 1 John 5, 3, for this is love that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So this echoes the same point across both, both passages. We see the repetition across these, both of these epistles from John. But one thing I want us to pick up, pick up upon is that God's commandments are not burdensome. This reminds us that when we do keep God's commandments, when we do love one another, when we do what God has told us to we're not burdensome. It doesn't feel like we have to do somewhat a tick box exercise or we're just doing it for the sake of living or being a Christian, but rather we're doing it in joy. We enjoy keeping God's commandments. We are grateful that we get to keep the commandments of God for it is a blessing and it is a gift to be able to do this. And this is how we know that we are in God. 
when we know that we are enjoying keeping all of his commandments, and in this, loving one another. It shouldn't be annoying for us to love one another. Rather, it should be, it should be a great experience. I, I should want to love you. I should want to spend time with you. So this is something that we know from this. Why? Because we have, why is it that we're able to enjoy God's commandments? Because we, we, we have overcome the world in faith, owing our victory to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who has redeemed us for all our sin. So we're able to enjoy loving one another. We're able to enjoy God's commandments because we have been redeemed by Christ. We know that the victory has already been won. There's no battle for us to win anymore because it has been won. So the first reason we should love one another is because we love God and, the, and God has given us this commandment. However, it's not a burdensome commandment. Rather, we feel blessed to be able to share this love with one another because the victory has already been won. And Christ Jesus has overcome the world, redeeming us in this process. Now, the second reason we are to love one another is because it separates us from the world. It is the sign of the true believer. Why might have John reminded this church that they should love one another? There may have been division among the church. And in a similar sense, um, verse 7 reminds us of the false teaching that was coming out of the church. And it reads, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Christ in the flesh. Such one is a deceiver and the antichrist. So th- this may be a reason for the reminder that they were reminded to love one another because there may have been some growing false teaching or division beginning in the church. So finding love with one another and being in unity helps us grow in love for each other and shielding us from the false teachings that may come about because in loving one another, we correct one another. So this commandment to love one another relies on us understanding how we may do this and engage with love, in love for one another. So how do we love one another? Say, so firstly, we love as Christ loved us. We read earlier 1 John 3, 11 to 24. When we look at the cross, we are reminded that Christ has laid down his life for us and that he has suffered for our sins. He essentially put himself last so that we may have eternal life with him. But he entered himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even on the cross. So we are to love each other sacrificially. I'd argue it's easy to say to, say to someone, I'll die for you. I'll take a grenade for you. But it's, it's, it's easy. It's easy because we're never put in positions to die for someone. But how can we continue to live this out in our day-to-day lives? We need to lose our lives for love. We need to give ourselves away for those that we love, and that is the believer. We love each other. We need to be able to live our lives for, the, for others and not self. This is what Jesus did for us. So what practical steps can we take in loving one another? I'll say there's three that I can give to you now. And it's a question of, 
It's a question of questions you may be able to ask yourself. And I think the first question we're able to ask ourselves is, how much do I focus on me? In our day-to-day lives, we have so much going on. We have work, we have um, family, we have so much that consumes our mind that isn't of God, that isn't about other people. So we may believe that we just focus on self. And I found myself doing this a lot. Monday to Friday is work, and then the rest of the week is church, and Saturday I might enjoy myself. But we must be able to focus on others apart from ourselves. We must be able to die to ourselves. We must offer our services to one another. If somebody needs their car fixed or needs help from someone else in the church, they should be able to come to, we should be able to come to each other and put others before ourselves. So this is something we can ask ourselves about how much is, am I living for me in my life? Even as a Christian, how selfish am I being with my time and with my efforts? And I feel like it may be difficult because we don't live our lives for others. Rather, we live our lives for self. And I think this morning I was reminded that um, when, we, when we sang, Give Me Oil in My Lamp, I was reminded that we need to have a heart of love to serve. And it, re- it sings, Give me love in my heart, keep me serving. Give me love in my heart, I pray. Give me love in my heart, keep me serving. Keep me serving till the, end of, till the break of days. Now, when we hear this and understand this hymn, it reminds us that we need love to serve. And it is this loving one another that God commands us to do that allows us to serve each other. Now, the second application that we can have is ask the, we can ask the Lord to open and warm our hearts. Now, in, in, this, in this commandment to love one another, I'm reminded that it's easy to shut off our lives to other believers. It's easy to have a brave face when we come to church on Sunday and we don't have to talk about the problems that we're going through. It's, it's easy. And no matter how long you may know someone or grow in fellowship with them, it's, it's easy to just say, I'm fine. I don't need, I don't need your help. But I, I believe this, this commandment to love one another is asking us to open ourselves to one another in our heart first and I, I feel like this is what we need to to love one another we need to open our hearts to receiving help we need to open our hearts to offering help um, this could be financially this could be in terms of hospitality if if your heart is open to give help and your heart is open to receive help it is easier because you're you've already overcome what is maybe stopping you and we may find in later verses that this, this epistle talks about hospitality and not ha- having hospitality with those who teach false doctrine. But for us, the believer, knowing others who live in truth, we can share in hospitality with each other. I know that you may open your home to someone who needs it, or you may be able to come over and have time of fellowship with people. We need to be able to live our lives as if it's not just a Sunday thing, but it's a weekly thing. Day by day, we live as Christians together, not just on one day of the week or two days of the week, including Bible study. And the last question that we may ask ourselves is, am I looking to God? Now, it's, as I mentioned earlier, it's easy to focus on self. It's easy to try to do all things through our own strength. But rather, we must look to God as our strength and not to self. And you may be asking, how, how can we do this? 
Now, I believe it goes back to what, what was said earlier about walking in the truth and living in a manner pleasing to God. First, we must repent of our sin and put all, our, put all of our trust in him. We must let go of what we believe we can do, let go of all the control that we have in this world. And rather, we should live in a way that is, that is relying on God, knowing that tomorrow, if I wake up, it's a blessing from God. Knowing that if I'm able to have a good day at work, that's because God has given me a good day at work. We need to let go of trying to control things through ourselves. And this might lead to perfectionism and feeling like you have to get things right through your own strength. And that's, that's not what we find in the Bible. We do things through God and look into him as our strength. And we, we want to be able to know the truth. To walk in the truth, we need to know the truth. And reading our word and asking the Holy Spirit to guide us in understanding the truths given to us in the Bible is part of knowing that truth. We can't know the truth if we keep our Bibles closed and our ears closed. We need to open the word of God so that we may understand them. So in conclusion, we've covered 1 John 4 to, 4 to 6. We begin to understand that walking in truth and how we walk in truth as the believer. So the true following of God's commandments is expressed by loving one another. This commandment given to the disciples and now given to us should be key in our relationship with God as it is the reminder that those who love the Lord serve him and serve each other. Whereas those who are not born of the spirit do not have this desire. I leave you with a comfort and a concern. First, the concern. We must worry if we, feel that, if, we, if we feel that following God's commandments is hard and arduous, feel like it's a burdensome task. We shouldn't feel like this is a tick box exercise, but rather we do it because we love the Lord and love his people. However, if you're doing this in your own strength, then you haven't yet come to understanding God, God, God as our helper. And on the opposite side of that, there is a comfort in that, is that we can let go and trust in God in, in a doing sense, not just letting go and saying, I, tr- I trust in the wind, but actually putting our faith in God to help us through everything. This is the comfort that God may be our strength. And we, may we remember this through the rest of our week and may we remember this in our servanthood as we serve others and serve God. May we remember that we can trust in him through prayer and supplication giving thanks to him for the amazing opportunity to serve each other. Amen.